Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Ron Taylor, a.k.a. the Penguins of Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Okay, that always takes a second to start recording. Hello, 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 everyone. Um, Welcome back to another exciting episode of Geek Vibes Live Review. Um, For today's review, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me Chris Patton. Is it Patton or Peyton? I don't think I ever asked. Oh my goodness! It's uh, it's Patton, like General Patton. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always like to make sure I hate like mispronouncing people's names. It's like a huge pet peeve of mine. So if I can, I always at least try. <laughs> no, it's okay. I totally understand. Uh, no, that's the normal that I get. Is is Peyton or Patton? Are you painting? <laughs> Are you patenting things? <laughs> well, Chris, I am excited to have you here with me. And I also have with me uh, Polly, who is my boyfriend. And you did a podcast with me, I feel like, a, a year ago. Yeah, it's been a while. So yeah. hello, Polly. <laughs> hello, everybody. <laughs> um, we sound super excited right now, even though the subject matter of oh. our review is um, about a supposed serial killer. So kind of dark. Yeah. Um, Chris actually came to me and was like, hey, Tia, I know you really like true crime stuff, and I think you should watch The Confession Killer on Netflix. And I did. And, Chris, it was honestly really, really crazy. So I just want to thank you, first of all, for suggesting it. Also, just want you to kind of walk me through, like, what you even originally thought when you first watched this uh, miniseries. So right off the bat, because of the day we live in, the time we live in, and watching so many of these killers confess and seeing some of the confession videos they start episode one with, it's just, you know this guy didn't commit all these murders. Which he is a serial killer. He he killed, you know, four or five people legitimately. But he just starts, he just starts telling stories. And then you hear these Texas... Um, Texas Rangers feeding him information. And the more and more you watch of this documentary, the creepier it gets because they're just trying to get murders off their book, which makes it so sketchy. And I was like, I have to, I have to tell Tia about this because we talked about true crime. There are also uh, mean there's other killers out there that are just roaming free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is that like, not that, oh God, like, this sounds bad, because I'm definitely not, like, some serial killer aficionado, but 
I feel like you obviously know about, say, like Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Son of Sam, like the big guys. And the way that Henry Lee Lucas was claiming that he's killed so many people, I'm like, I feel like I would have heard about this guy at some point. So when they started and he was, you know, opened up with all these horrific crimes and everything, it was just kind of like, how have I never heard of Henry Lee Lucas? But, um, Paul, I wanted to ask you, I mean, so first of all, okay. As Chris said, you know, the Texas Rangers bring this guy in because there's the murder of like this old woman and these, uh, this young woman, whatever. And he gets brought in, he gets put before a judge and he says to the judge, you know, well, what about the other hundred women yeah, that yeah. I've killed? And so, like, I mean, when you heard that, well, what did you originally think? Well, originally I thought he actually did it. But, you know, I thought maybe he was exaggerating the number a little. Um, and he didn't really have an idea of how many exactly. Um, but then as the show went on and I realized that he didn't actually kill all these people, I started to wonder then why did he even say that to begin with, you know, like, and then we see later on that they did mention that he had uh, brain damage from an incident when he was a child that would cause him to have a lack of impulse control. So I thought maybe that was the case and he just blurted this out in court because he couldn't control himself. Yeah, it was it was really crazy to me because they bring him in and he says, you know, what about the other hundred women that I've killed and I have to tell you um that I thought the look on the judge was hilarious I know I shouldn't have but he was just so shocked and honestly so someone said that uh Henry Lee Lucas was certainly his own worst enemy but um what surprised me and I kind of want to like just not take it episode by episode but just focus on the first episode for a second because that was the one where they talk about how then Henry gets brought in by this uh, one ranger and suddenly it's like a hub for all these other rangers to come and interrogate him. And so then that famous journalist, uh, right, Hugh Ainsworth, um, who actually had been responsible for also interviewing Ted Bundy comes in, he brings in a Japanese film crew and they're interviewing him. And it just seemed at first, Chris, that, um, they were all being, like, really nice to him. I mean, they gave him a present and everything. What did you think about that? It's it's insane to think about when you're talking about people's family and their loved ones and, and everything that they may have went through. And uh, obviously they want the guy to talk because he said he killed 100 people. But it... It, and, and the thing is, is the first murder that he's convinced of, he brings them right to the site. Yeah, that's the strange thing. So he definitely committed those. <clears throat> yes. Well, so. I mean, that's a, that's a question, though, because then later, you know, remember he says that, well, I didn't drive the car, they did, yeah, you know? Yeah, the whole thing was sketchy. Like, for all we know, the police could have committed some, I mean, who knows? Like, I, yeah, you don't certainly know, but... um. What? But, but they they didn't necessarily have the crime uh, scene as mapped out as well as some of the other ones from other police departments. Yeah. So when he's talking about his hometown of Texas and the unfortunate uh, 
the the two females that he killed first off, which I think one was Betty, which was his girlfriend, longtime girlfriend, which, which gets very, which was very strange. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chris, but they had said that Betty or was like. 15 years old and he himself was like in his 40s and i'm like yeah. are we just gonna gloss over that fact <laughs> like was he after his his girlfriend like was it consensual <laughs> <laughs> so it, that that in itself gets really weird as well because later on we'll get into some even crazier stuff about uh betty as a i don't want to say a character but as someone that's very involved with these cases right um but obviously someone in her family found out an older person found out who also ended up murdered. And this is a guy that was convicted of murder for his mother. He killed his own mother. So we'll set the tone of this because I feel like I don't want people to walk away from this and just be like, this guy had concussion syndrome and was not a, a bad person. Oh, he was, (laughs) you have to have something. I mean, I mean, even with the syndrome, there has to be some type of, like, um, I, I heard someone else quote it this way the other way, the other day. I think it was from the actual documentary, but uh, I think one of the detectives in it said that there was, like, no firewall there. Like, uh, like there's something missing. Like, for you to actually go through with killing someone, there's got to be some type of evilness there. Well, and my main thing about, like, Henry Lee Lucas was... And I don't want to get, like, too ahead of it either because, and you're right, Chris, like, I don't want anyone to, like, walk away and say this guy was just completely absolved of doing anything wrong. I mean, I think it was, like, a combination of who he was and also the the overzealousness of, you know, the police department or specifically the rangers, really. Um. But what did, uh, Paulie, what did you think of, like, actual Henry Lee Lucas? Because the guy was he just a, seemed, a character. Um, like, if I, uh, to be totally honest, if I saw him walking down the street, I probably wouldn't stop to talk to him, you know. But um, uh, I wouldn't, at the same time, I, I don't think I, the thought would cross my mind that this guy has just killed multiple people. You know, I don't. I don't know. I I really don't know what to make of him. He's, like, really a mystery to me because it's perplexing as to why he would, if he knew, like, the detectives were just feeding him information and driving him to scenes, like, why go along with it? Like, so I couldn't think of anything logical. Well, in a way, it kind of reminded me of, um, like, remember making a murderer? where um, the nephew of the guy, I forget his name now, but he was confessing to all these things, pretty much kind of being fed to it. So I guess you could say that. Was was it Brendan Avery? The the nephew. Brendan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Like, remember, he, you know, clearly didn't do it, but he was so, like, coarse and not to sound bad or anything, but he wasn't very intelligent. He had a very low IQ, and I think that's the same thing that they kind of said of Henry Lee Lucas, that yeah, he, he didn't have a very um, high IQ at all, really. Um, I don't think that, and this sounds bad, but I don't think he was very smart. Um, but, I don't know, he was very strange. I didn't like how they were treating him at first where they were being so kind and giving him gifts and everything. But then, like, like you have, sorry, 
but then you have like where he himself the detective said that after each interview he would tell the detective that he didn't do all those things no i know so it makes it perplexing it's like well then why so is he smart or is he sometimes i like look at him i'm wondering like maybe he's smarter than we all think like well i'll tell you what he was definitely smarter than that guy um Otis. Uh, yeah chris what did you think about that guy us before you I answer that is also a very strange situation because if henry didn't um commit all the murders that he's saying like what then did he and Otis do with each other because Otis was saying that what they did was go cross country and murder all these women so it's like is that itself a whole entire fabrication well, Otis himself is a maybe a different side podcast because it's one of the most <laughs> famous murders in history because yeah, he killed uh, the son, like, legitimately and found out in evidence-wise, killed the son of the guy that hosts American uh, America's Most Wanted, whose name oh, escapes me at the moment. That's him? I did not know that. Yeah, I, I uh, always that the host of America's Most Wanted had started his journey because of a tragedy with his son, but I didn't know that that was the actual guy. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I don't want to say that's what he's famous for, but what he is famous for is he, in theory, confessed to the death of John Walsh's kid, and it turns out it is likable. It is most likely that he was the person that did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, evidence wise and where you were and at the same time this the confession killer that we're talking about would have been migrating between florida and texas so there is a connection between these two people now the connection that they're saying is between them where they killed thousands of people is very different than probably what it actually is and that's what makes the story i don't want to say interesting because that's uh very macabre but well, it's, I mean, it's weird you have to it, multiple people a night to, well i mean it, it is in listen i think this is the kind of just society mm-hmm. that we live in is that it is interesting um i don't think channels like the id channel or anything like that would be as popular as it is if we as humans didn't have some sort of um curiosity when it came to horrific stuff like this but um it's not normal yeah know. you know because it's not something that any of us so um, would, re- head would really yeah. even think of doing so it's like to kind of see someone else and see a story unfold is just like whoa but um what i, I was gonna i i, I, sorry, I would I, I would say the, the the most fascinating part about this entire story which we're going to dig more deeply into is the governmental cover-up of right. dna evidence and yeah, the fact that this guy to not commit all the murders that they got off the books, which is so insensitive to the families and also insensitive and to the, the public in general. I think the be- I think the beginning of that when we all at least for me, um, when we all kind of raised our eyebrows was when Henry was speaking with uh, the Japanese film crew and he kind of really brags and says, Oh, I, I killed a few people and in your country as well. And they were saying, you know, it's a small country. You probably would have been found out. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, uh, the journalist asks him, well, how the hell did you get there? And he goes, I drove, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's like, was he just being cheeky or did he really think, like, I, I well, don't know about I mean, that. or did he mean he drove to the airport and he just didn't finish his sentence? I don't think we'll that guy know. has ever like, left the country. <laughs> like, um, I don't think that guy's ever left the country. So that began, like, the obvious eyebrow raise. And when he said that, um, the Texas Ranger was in the room with him, and it didn't seem like the Texas Ranger was even remotely, like, bothered or decided to be curious about that, but... He wanted it. He, he, wanted, he wanted it to that be big that. Score, it, like. Well, he, you know, was the sheriff that had, you know, risen to glory from that, you know, sniper story with the helicopter and everything. Yeah. But um, before we move into, like, the real meat of this whole entire um, documentary series, I did want to ask, uh, Chris, what did you think about the sister Clemmy? Because I just... <sighs> Like, and I don't want to be mean because I feel like she does come from, like, a sincere place. But I was just like, how naive can you actually be? Like, she got very close. It's it's very hard to say because I don't know what that person's been through. But it is, knowing, knowing the victims and knowing who this killer might be should give you a little bit of an idea of, who these people might be in their surroundings, right? Um, it, but also they cut, they edit and cut things in a way that you don't expect a lot of times, right? So I, I, I would like to hear that full interview more than anything yeah, else before be... I make a judgment. Um, I, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. Definitely, they. I didn't even think of that actually. That they they do edit things to make it more dramatic. And I was going to say, like, it's far be it for me to ever judge someone on, like, their faith or their ability to forgive. But I think just that one of the women had pointed out that Clemmy was giving this guy Henry haircuts with, uh, you know, really big scissors and not realizing why that may be a problem. But um, we can get completely... I mean, as it kind of turns around, like, there's no reason why she would be worried about him. This is a person that, obviously, uh, through the rest of the story, has a mental problem related to women that really love him, from what I gathered. Uh, And she felt no threat because of the power of God. And, I mean, if you believe in your faith, and if she thought, like, if this guy's going to kill me, he's going to kill me, and I'm going to go to heaven... I mean, that's some strong stuff, and yeah, they really took away from, I don't want to say, I don't want, like, I keep I keep saying character because I'm used to movies, but, like, as a person, like, her faith never wavered, and she also, I don't think, believed he did all of this, but she did believe the power of God was going to bring people to justice, and when you get to the end of this, if you are religious... It did end up bringing like 20 or 30 people to justice via DNA by him mm-hmm. opening these cases back up. So that that in itself is very interesting. That's more of a, maybe a retrospective of the show itself. But it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. I just, you know, the, the, the neglect by the police departments as you said before those also kind of appalling it's like and the fact that they just let this guy like 
And I think about Clemmy. I think, as you said, I think her faith just allowed her to uh, keep going on, and she just wasn't afraid. I said that the other day to you, I think, actually. Yeah, and I think that's what really is the reason behind that. So, I mean, listen, I mean, if uh, Pope John Paul II could have forgiven the guy who literally tried to assassinate him, I guess you could say, like, you know, you can forgive anyone, but, um... Well, we've seen other, like, parents of slain children yeah. um, forgive the killer and even go to the jail and write them and visit them before on TV. Very true. I just don't know, like, how I would be in that situation. Hopefully I can would never find out. But, um, I think, so, the whole, like, idea of the police and the sheriffs here being corrupt really, to me, started with, um, uh, what you call it? Her name is, uh, Joyce Lemons, and she was the mother of, uh, this woman, Debbie, who was killed. Joyce actually died, and after they filmed the, um, documentary, so at the end it was dedicated to her, but she and her husband, who had been looking for a, uh, you know, the actual killer of their daughter, they bring in Henry Lee Lucas and they say, okay, this is the guy. And the mother quickly says, like, it's not possible. Like, his story doesn't add up at all. He's saying that he's getting through, like, this one door. And we know for a fact there was this, like, huge piece of furniture there that would have been, like, really loud and everything. It's just not possible. And it seemed like the rangers really didn't care that the parents, you know, were poking holes in the story and if anything I think they think they were not insulting the family but saying that oh they were like almost ungrateful so um Chris do you think that story was the start of when you started being like hmm there's something really wrong over here with the uh sheriffs that has to be the start of it I mean it went all the way to 60 minutes of there, hey, there is a problem here with your investigation and, and, and the way that you are handling these crimes and accepting these false stories. Um, basically, they had a giant fridge or a, like a standing, from what I gathered from the show, there would have been a huge freezer, right? Like one of your box freezers. Yeah. Uh, in front of this door, and they're like, the amount of effort it would take to move that, and then not come, because they're saying he went out a different way than the way he came in. And the door uh, would have banged into it, obviously. There would have just been so much noise that would have alerted, like, some, you know, whoever was in that house. Yes, and the crime, the crime scene doesn't. The crime scene all happens in the carport as well. So he would have also had to have broken, drugged her outside, committed this crime, and moved. And the original details of the story was this is probably someone who knew um, knew the victim. Someone crazy the police are yeah. <laughs> oh well i mean i don't think the police were crazy Not i think crazy, that they just wanted you know. to like you know they were so desperate to close all these cases but it's like if you're the parent or a loved one of who was killed it's like you don't want just a false blanket over you you no. know you want to know who actually killed like your kid um i have no issue with I, police, I, I get i get that but that's also the it's 1970s Texas, right? 
Yeah. Right. Or early 80s Texas. And this guy is pure evil. Based on everything he says, he is Michael Myers. Yeah. He, right? He, so, based on everything this guy is telling you, there is no reason why to not believe him. Now, I'm not giving them any credit for believing this guy for murders he didn't commit, but you didn't have DNA testing. That's mm-hmm. true. You, you didn't have the forensics you had. And this guy's actively telling you, it's like, hey, even if you led them in a conversation, which they wouldn't have known at the time, because once again, the interrogation skills were different even back then. This guy's like actively telling you, like, yeah, I murdered him. This is what I did. You show him a picture of the house or a little map, and he's saying, hey, I did this. And you're looking at this guy knowing that he did kill two or three people. Yeah, exactly. saying that this man is evil. This is also the time of Charles Manson, the Night Stalker. It's just very easy to believe that maybe this guy is uh, a demon or Satan because there was still the believability of something encompassing a serial killer during this time period that isn't natural. It was interesting because at some point in the show, they um, have a news report where they're like, you know, I forget how they started off saying they're like, but they're called serial killers. And it's like, like they announced it. Yeah. So it's like, this is such a new concept where it's like today we're just not used to it, but we have known so many of like there was estimated 35 other ones. Yeah. Just roaming out there, which, you know, is probably even true to this day. But, um, yeah. So, and also I don't want to like, say anything negative really but they the documentary made a point at some point to really like showcase like the whole thing of like what texas rangers were and kind of like the machismo behind it and all that so i really think that these guys thought that they were just like really just like good old boys pretty much and because it was it was really hard for to one of them like did not want to say anything negative about the sheriff in question and it's like that doesn't do any good at all but um let's talk about because i felt like this guy was a really interesting and i i whole thing is perplexing it's so perplexing (laughs) but i know it like chris needs when he says like characters because i want to keep calling them characters even though it's like characterized them by yeah but it's like you know a real life documentary but um vic fessel fessel um wow i'm butchering that uh, who was a former who was a former district attorney and he was like you know described as this really like popular guy and really um personable and he kind of even admitted that he wanted to go and get his picture taken with henry lee lucas close a few of their own town's cases but then he uh decidingly was like hey things aren't right here so um Chris, I want you to walk me through, like, what your thoughts of the whole Vic situation, because I really felt like this was the start of everyone kind of, like, raising their eyebrows and scratching their heads going, something isn't adding up. So after the 60-minute thing, it's when it comes to his small town, so to speak. Not to uh, quote Michael Myers or Halloween, but uh, or Loomis or Halloween, I should say. Happy Sam Hine. Uh, oh, same to you. <laughs> uh, 
so what gets really crazy because the more he digs and they start trying to pull into public records, records start disappearing. Yeah. Dude, that was really freaky. Things were sealed. Um, no access was denied. Yeah, it said access denied during a time where you're like, wait, um, like I don't know. I feel like that would be very much like believable today, but with the technology back then, it's like, wait, that that was a thing back then. But to for them to be searching the databases and for it to automatically be like access denied, I'm like that's some tinfoil hat shit there. They're covering yes. stuff up, and, and, yeah. and I mean. To be fair, if you read a lot of comics or you watch a lot of movies or crime movies in general, if one prosecutor goes down for being shady, it opens up all of their cases again. Oh, yeah. Because you had one shady... If you have one shady case, it's going to open it all up. So if you're like a Law & Order fan... Uh, if if you convict one person wrongly, it's going to open up the plot, and and that's happened. That's happened yeah. in American history, specifically before, with yeah. uh, specifically with uh, the the CIA and, and DNA evidence, where the guy came out and said, "Hey, look, they're not they're not really uh, contamin or they're contaminating evidence." And so, then there's that. Um, <laughs> what's that? Um. There's like an organization that does um, uh, DNA testing for inmates that claim to be innocent too. They're like well known. I forget what they're called. Um, I don't know what they're called because they were convicted at times of crimes where they when they didn't have DNA testing, and it turns out a lot of them were not the well, suspects. Yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, one that's close to home is the Atlanta child murderer, right, or the Atlanta stalker, as they call him. Um, who killed, I think it's, I want to say either 28 or 33, those are the numbers that stick in my head, of children and uh, sometimes teenagers, is what they what they produce in that docu- documentary is, uh, well, yeah, but this guy came out from the CIA and said all their evidence was contaminated because of the air ventilation systems. They weren't testing the cells very positive. And you go back and look at some of the carpet fibers, and they're landing all over the place. Yeah. It's just walking Is this the guy that they covered in the second season of Mindhunter? It is. Okay. It is. I, I, didn't, I didn't remember his name, but I was like the whole fact <clears> with all the children, and I knew that there was like a lot of eyebrows raised as to if they had captured the right guy or not. So, sorry. I was just like, wait. This sounds familiar. <laughs> yes. No, no the, the eyebrows raised are more about the treatment of DNA when it gets to said place, which when it got to the CIA was not, not or the FBI, I should say, not the CIA, uh, but the FBI. It was not treated as well as it should have been. So you have these arguments. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Um, 
on who this killer was. But in this story, it doesn't really matter because this guy uh, was not anywhere <laughs> near some of these places. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was almost like laughable um, when they were trying to, like, pin people. And um, I believe the journalist Hugh had even took it upon himself to do a lot of backdating. And they're like, hey, you can really see where Henry Lee Lucas was at all, like, pretty much when they had described Henry Lee as a drifter. He was like, he wasn't really, um, there's a lot of, like, physical evidence as to where he was on same exact days, same exact times as to when they're trying to pin murders on him. So it was really, like, interesting. Um, But I found, like, so the whole documentary obviously was about Henry Lee Lucas, but I feel like the documentary took a pause for a second to talk about Vic. And what happened to him? And I felt really bad for him because he started asking questions, started snooping around, and then suddenly, you know, his dog is killed. He's being, like, followed. And then suddenly all these, like, lies are coming out about, say, like, bribery. And he's facing about 80. And he's facing, like, 80 years in prison. So I thought that was, like, really insane. Um, What did you think about that, Chris? Well, like like I was saying earlier, if you prove one murder wrong, you prove them all wrong, right? And it makes every police department, and this wasn't just Texas, this was all across the board. This guy said he was traveling state to state in murdering people at will. It proves a lot of police departments wrong, and the government didn't want to put the public in uh, panic. So it's really easy to pin it on one guy. He just happened to be the poor bastard to be like, I did. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he did. There's no way he murdered all these people. Like, I'm sure he murdered some people, which is yeah. fucked up. But he but didn't kill all these people. For him to be like, like he was like, I've killed like 360 at some point. They're like, it's you like know, you would have had to kill well, like six people a day. And then like, at some how did point, he was like, like, oh, I killed 600 people. I mean, like that's just like. To me, that should have been a red flag in on itself because, as you said, Paulie, it's like, dude, that's just not, like, physically possible. No, I, feel like, like. I mean, you think about just the time to commit one murder, like, and you're t- talking about 600. Like, yeah, it's just, like, in on itself seems so... And you, and you just happen to get away with all of them. But, like, why do you think, Paulie, like, he origi- originally confessed to all these? Like, really, was it the police pointing out, or do you think I that? Think because both. I think because, the police wanted to catch the big fish or the alleged big fish, and I think that my, the only logical conclusion I could think of that why he did that, Henry Lee, why he would confess was that he figured, hey, I did kill someone, so I'm going to jail anyway for the rest of my life. I might as well just well, take I, it all away, right? I feel a bit of it was, like, because the reporter at one point says that this is the most attention that anyone has ever shown this guy in his life. And it's like, God, it's like, but it's like, dude, that's just. He looked like he liked it. He looked like it, yeah, but I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, he was given, like, soda. He was given, like, milkshakes. He had all the cigarettes that he could smoke. Um, He was never in handcuffs. He was never in handcuffs. I think, like. He really just liked that attention. And then when he saw, like, hey, they're really going to, like, 
put me in jail for the rest of my life and, like, stick a needle in my arm. Like, I should probably... But this guy continuously, like, was his own worst enemy because it happens, like, later on in the documentary when I think Henry Lee finally says that he's not going to cooperate anymore with the sheriffs because now he's, like, really sticking to the whole you know, I didn't do this, and Vic actually <laughs> decides to represent him, and I believe that goes terribly wrong um, as well, yeah, and it it's like, this guy was his own worst enemy, and he ends up, like, spending his whole entire life in prison. I think um, they said something like George W. Bush, Bush, sorry, when he was a governor, it was like, what, the something like, it was like the only time that he's like, a governor has, like, reversed a death penalty sentence or something like that. I could uh, be wrong. Am I wrong? Eric? No, no, no. <laughs> he, he, was the, um, he was the only inmate he's ever reversed a death penalty on. So he gave him basically immunity from the death penalty because he didn't think the trial was fair. But they did not reopen the, the, in all of the case log that he had admitted to. So in all of these other cities, basically because they knew he was getting the death penalty they gave him no penalty. So, like, the judges in Philadelphia or Montana or any other state, they were like, this guy's already getting the chair, he admits to it, we'll close the case. And that's that's part of the problem, is this guy had nothing to do with the majority of these. Not only did he have nothing to do with them, but then you find out, like, years later, when they finally do have DNA evidence, I mean, I believe they even showed that for one of the families of a victim, they did tie it to someone. They're like, shit, like this person has been roaming around for like 35 years free um, and killed, you know, a loved one of ours. So it was really freaking crazy. It really was. Um, I think that what I finally want to say about like Henry Lee Lucas is that he did die, but not from a death penalty from, I believe, uh, heart related issues, which if you watch well, the he documentary, he smoked nonstop, right? nonstop um, and you could see with his teeth that that was a case for him. But yeah, this was this was a crazy, honestly, documentary. I didn't know where it was like turning most of the time. Like um, the one episode where it ended with "quote unquote" the real uh, Betty coming, you know, oh and God. saying yeah. that she's still alive. I was just like, "What is it going just kept on?" Getting like more, it kept getting like, more twisted, and the thing is that I don't think we're going to know a lot of answers still to this day. I will never know. He well, because so many, so many are dead. Henry Lee is dead. The main sheriff is dead. So it's like there's a lot we're not going to know. But I thought it was interesting, and in like I believe it was the final episode. But they were talking about how like investigations are done now, DNA testing is done now, and it's it's totally a different ball game. I doubt he would have gotten away with even one at this point. I always say that to you, Paulie, but I don't want to, like, jinx anything, which sounds really morbid. But oh, I always say... Well, I, but I always say, I'm like, I think it would be really hard to get away with murder today. Like, you it would know? have to be... Well, they did say, like, the difficulty with serial killers is that there's no connection, really, between the victim and the suspect, so it's hard to... Um, like place this who the suspect is because most killings it's usually someone that you know yeah so i don't know but i always say that but again i don't want like jinx but still with this with dna forensics 
Where are you going to take her? I will say the thing about serial killers now is they're spree killers. Yeah, basically. So you get an opposite of what you used to have years ago. Instead of having a guy that wants to get it all over a elongated frame of time, you get it all in one shot, which is scary in itself. Um, but know that, they know they're going to get caught, so they have to do Well, quicker. I also think it's the difference of, like, you think about in, like, the 60s and 70s when, like, serial killing, you know, like how... Henry Lee Lucas was claiming how Ted Bundy was, Jeffrey Dahmer. It was all about being secretive. It was about causing this, like, fear where of, like, the unknown because you didn't know who it was, all this mystery. And now it's, like, everything is so, like, on your phones, on the TV, and it's, like, a spree killer. You know, that's the infamy that they're looking for. You know, they know that everyone's going to have their phones out. That was my, um, sorry to interrupt, but that was actually my only other logical conclusion that I came to as to why he would admit to all these murders, because I've heard it before. I forgot what I watched last week, but this kid had gotten caught. He killed his parents and he planned on going on a spree killing and it didn't work out, and he's, when asked why, he said he just wanted to outdo the worst serial killer in history. So I thought to myself, maybe he just wanted to do that as well, because I've heard that time and time again. Well, I told you that there was, like, that one killer that I saw a news report on where, like, he was just standing there in cuffs, and a news reporter was like, oh, did you kill that guy? And he's like, oh, with my bare hands. And they were like, no, he, like, shot the person or yeah, something. Yeah, they, they just want to outdo. People just want to outdo themselves. So it could have been that. That I mean, maybe, again, he knew he was going away anyway, so... But the whole thing about Harry Lucas, like, confused me so much, because at some point, then he's crying. And it's like, they asked him, he's like, are you crying because, you know, you're not getting the death sentence now? But are you crying for the victims? Like, I didn't know whether to believe, like, this guy was legitimately sincere or anything. It really confused me. But um, he also had brain damage that was proven. So I mean, but who does knows? that you know does that uh, take I mean, like for what he did? No, he still kills people. So my main takeaway from this is everything with Henry Lucas is that he became friends with the people in the jail that he stayed in, which was a very small jail house, mm-hmm. and he got preferential treatment. And there's no reason for him to stop spinning these webs if he knows he's going to go to jail, like prison, the rest of his life. Um, why would he stop spinning these webs as long as they're giving him steak dinners and milkshakes? Yeah, Which exactly. is, I mean, if you know that you're going to go spend your life in prison or you can have a TV in your jail cell and, and drink milkshakes and hang out and eat steak with the prison guards why would you not do that? And that's what he did. The problem is the system, not Henry Lee Lucas. He's going to give them as much as he can give them. And it's not like the other killers are going to stand out unless there happens to be another serial killer that gets mad and then like, no, I killed all 20 of them. (laughs) Right. Right. Unless someone gets really mad because otherwise he's taking, he's, He's taking your kill away from you. He's cleaning the slate for you the rest of your life. And you don't have they, to worry about that. Those people could still be very much alive today. I mean, this was just the 80s. So, I mean, like, the the people who actually did kill all those other people 
are probably still all out there if they didn't get caught for other crimes, maybe. Well, that's the freaky thing about it. It's like, just as Chris said, like, you just gave him a clean slate, this one person. Yeah. It's like, shit, like, am I going to get caught? It's like, oh, no, this this guy here you know, took everything yeah, from me. Yeah, you'd have to be crazy to be like, oh, yeah, no, I did that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was insane. It really was. Um, Chris, what did you think about the, like, style of the documentary series? Like, does it, say, stand up to making a murderer or any other say, like, crime documentary, because that's the thing is that, like, it has to be a good crime documentary to really, like, engage you, and I felt that this documentary really kept a lot, like, close to the vest. It didn't give away too much. It really let the story unfold. Um, I mean, honestly, like, I could have kept watching it. It was five episodes, and I could have kept, like, wanting to know more about this. I think that's one of the great things about the this particular crime documentary is there is no hero in the story. Like, you have a criminal who's already been to prison for killing someone, who has admittedly killed two people that you can obviously prove. And uh, it's more about his lies in the aftermath and the justice system, which makes it so intriguing Um, because if this happens to this guy, what happens to maybe someone that has four grams of weed? How does that get trumped up or whatever? I mean, I think that's more of the interesting part is how is the government going to handle the person getting arrested and and what their scenario is. And the fact that they prove that, like, they've disproved 20 murders from this guy. By DNA yeah. evidence, and, and the fact that they're able to ca- cancel out so many cold cases if you just in- investigate them by DNA and get and get these families the resolution they're looking for, it's incredible. And if you look at uh, Patton Oswalt's wife, and I'm sorry I'm spacing on her name, in the Golden State Killer uh, scenario where they use like Ancestry.com and they went through and found DNA to link, like, it could only be 16 people in this entire state. Now we just have to link them through this different kind of evidence. Like, that stuff is incredible to me. It's amazing how far we've came. And I, we're, it's very doubtful we'll ever see a serial killer in the way that we saw in the, the 70s and the 80s just yeah. because of that. I know uh, But... And I don't, I mean, no one should want that in general, but I think that's the, that's where we're at in life. And, uh, I mean, the documentary, the fascinating part about the documentary is the fact the government wants to cover up for their own fuck ups, as opposed to saying these people walk free. And here's the thing is the people they arrested, right? Or the person, the people they did catch for these murders they would have to let walk if he was like, no, this conspiracy is bullshit. I didn't do anything. So uh-huh. all of those go back in the books, and it's it's public defense, man. It's it's really, really hard for these, these cats to go back and solve these murders from, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It's, it's very difficult. But at the same time, I, I think they, they've proven without a doubt that this guy – at best, maybe killed six or seven people. 
Yeah, he definitely killed somebody. So regardless, he, he he's still a pretty evil person. You know, like, well, he definitely he killed his mom. Um, he definitely killed Kate. You know, he killed a few people, but he definitely didn't kill the 360 people that he was claiming that he killed. But yeah, I mean, it it is insane. Um, it does to me, a problem too, like Chris said, with the police department, that's a huge issue to think of. Like, and and to think how deep it goes as well. Like, if they're willing to just be okay with that. Well, as I said, I think, like, you know, it goes into kind of that, like, machismo thing of, and that maybe hero complex, as we saw, the main sheriff was very, you know, uh, a local hero from what he did during the sniper shooting, Um, and he probably wanted to relive that, and this was his golden ticket, essentially, to do that, but, yeah, I think that... The Confession Killer was definitely a great documentary. Paulie, did you want to uh, comment on, like, uh, the style of documentary <clears throat> and all that? Well, obvi- well, I mean, I prefer documentaries that are not biased. And, you know, I just like to see it, what it is for, for what it is. But um, I feel like, as you said, I feel like they just uh, let it unfold. And you were just shocked at like every corner <laughs> like and, I certainly was and like there was no way of guessing that stuff like at, at every time every time a new scene would come on I was shocked so I liked this style of documentary a lot I thought it was really cool how it kept you on the edge of your seat and it just kept you guessing like constantly I know I was like, like a little like there was one night where we started it and you fell asleep like two episodes in and I was like, Oh my God, Polly, please wake up so that we can like continue watching this. And I kept watching it. And I think at some point I got even like scared at some point And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, I had to, I think I turned it off after like the fourth episode. I was like, Oh shit, it's like late right now. I'm fucking terrified. I mean, as, as a documentary, if you're comparing, if you're compa- trying to compare it to some of the other Netflix, like even the unsolved murders or making a murderer, that's one murder, right, most of the time in those. And this is a guy that confessed to 1,200 murders at one time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and so I, that's just not possible, dude. <laughs> and I feel like they do a good job of towing the line both ways. Like, they're like, he didn't commit these, but he also did commit these. Like, there's no way he would have known this, like... They work hundred percent right on the the first couple, but like the rest of it, it's crazy. They even brought him a fake case. And oh, that he, was he insane! To, and, that, and the whole case wasn't even real. That right. was great, though. That was so great. It was um this one cop from Dallas who wasn't um you know she didn't think that he was telling the truth, and she goes back to her supervisors and they're like, let's just make this entirely like fake, made up. Uh, case, get some generic photos, you know, do this, put it in front of him, and he's like, oh yeah, I killed this girl this way, blah, 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 and it's like, oh my god, yeah, so it was it was great in, like, showing um, the way he drew their pictures it was just so good, like, the way it, like, like, set up and everything, so I really liked it um, I'm glad 
that uh, you brought this to me, Chris. Yeah, um, me too. Because yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have watched it because I just don't think I would have known about it. So I was like, as soon as you're like, oh, Confession Killer, I was like, all right, let me check this out. I have and, never heard of him. And I never heard of him, which, again, like, I was so shocked because I was like, I feel like, you know, because that whole, like, as morbid as it is, but as I said, I think we have, like, as humans, this general morbid curiosity. It's like, you know about the big ones, uh, the Manson, Charles Manson, the last one, yeah, the Charles Manson, the Jeffrey Dahmer, the Ted Bundy's, oh, yeah, it's Dahmer. like the Son of Sam's, it's like you know about them, the Richard Ramirez's, you know, but then it's uh, like... We, 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 we have to stop throwing Charles Manson into the serial killer thing. I, I know he's not, you can't say that he... But well, he it, didn't actually kill anybody, yeah, right? I know. It, it, yeah, it's it's one of those things that it's so, like that's true. Actually, I didn't even go to think about it that deep. I, if we want to throw Tex Wilson into it, if you just want to go Tex, then the, sure. The the Manson <laughs> family is it fair to say the Manson family? The, the Manson family is fair to say because Tex Wilson killed more than two people. I guess an umbrella. Probably Tex Wilson probably killed more than Henry Lee Lucas, like, at the, you know, honestly. <laughs> yes. And, uh, God, the crazy line from Tex, I am the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work. Uh, probably the most scary. No, you should watch, um, have you ever watched the documentary on Richard Ramirez? Oh, wow, yeah, that guy was nuts. So I highly recommend to everyone out there to watch that Golden State Killer documentary that's on HBO. It is phenomenal. It's a lot about the writer, but it's just really, really, really well done, the chase of this killer and the fact they actually caught this guy, who was a former police officer. Um, Well, I was going to say that if you ever had the chance, like um, Chris, to watch something of uh richard ramirez because that guy was fucking sick as well like if what tex said gave you chills like anything that this guy richard said uh gave me chills while freaking watching it he did but he also took credit for a lot of the golden state killers kills so you have the original night stalker and you have the night stalker yeah, then you have the fake. Yeah, I guess all these guys are like egotistical, you know. <laughs> and the original, um, the original Night Stalker would call you on the phone and say things like "I'm gonna kill you" before like, you died, <laughs> which is, is why, like this is why we don't so have landlines anymore. <laughs> yeah, this, like is, behind your curtains. <laughs> this is why we don't have landlines anymore. You you always see those horror movies. They're all with landlines. It's like that's I got rid of that shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's why all of us have burner phones. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I don't worry about serial killers though anymore. I, I it's more don't like you jinx said, it. it's free killers now. It, it's serial killers. I think are a thing of the past. You'd have you to say be, that, and there's probably like you would have to be like special ops, right like like a previous special operative or you something. You say that, and there's probably like fifty <laughs> in the country right now. If you're listening, don't don't come after us. But um, Chris, did you have? else that you wanted to say about the confession killer before we wrap everything up it's baffling it'll make you question your government i think that you should watch it i think it's one of the better documentaries that are on netflix it's not one-sided at all so if 
if you didn't like making a murderer, they did a really good job of giving you both sides, even to the point where they gave you these families that are hard-pressed on, like, no, this guy we thought for the longest time mm-hmm. killed someone in our family. Um, it's great. They do a really, really good job. I like it way better than making a murderer, which I think debatably is very lifted to one side of the story they're telling. The same thing as uh, the tight the with tight and Joe Exotic or the Tiger King or whatever. Yeah. Some sometimes Netflix likes to lift the documentary to one side. This one is very open ended. You can make your own decision on how many people this guy killed, which I think is more than he got convicted for. That's because probably the producers couldn't even figure out. No, I mean, (laughs) like, they definitely, you know, you had to do the work. You had to do the thinking, you know, like with making a murderer, it's kind of leaning a lot towards one way. And with, say, Tiger King, I mean, it's all really there. But um, even though I'm not going to get into the Tiger King thing because we pretty much we pretty much just gave Joe Exotic all of the attention that he actually wanted. Like so, we we did exactly the opposite of what we should have. Yes. So what I would say, uh, as far as spree killing goes, that is the new serial killer that they yeah. are most worried about. And I would recommend everyone read the book by Dave Cullen Columbine. It's it what is t- it called? Columbine about Columbine. the Columbine shooting. It's about the Columbine shootings, but it's about the fact that the American media made Columbine what it was. It made it way more than it had ever been before. There's been bigger spree shootings even yeah. before Columbine. Uh, it talks about the actual ideal of what Columbine would have been, which is if they if the bombs would have exploded that they set in the lunchroom, it would have been way worse. We're talking like hundreds as opposed to, I think it was 12 or 13. I apologize if I get the number wrong. Um, But definitely a crazy book to read if you're in true crime. This is a crazy story just because this guy confessed to so many murders and it's very sad for the families. And uh, I'm glad that DNA evidence has wrapped up 20, at least 20 of the crimes he originally confessed to. And hopefully we get more. It just sucks because as time goes on, it's just going to be harder and harder. And I think that there's always going to be some some left. There's going to be some, like, unsolved. But hopefully, um, you know, these cold cases will be closed. But, yeah, um, I thought it was a great documentary to watch if you're into true crime stuff. Um, It's on Netflix. It's five episodes. I think each episode contains a lot in it it leaves a lot to wonder and certainly sheds light on a story that you may not have known about because i certainly didn't but and it's captivating it's very captivating but chris um thank you for being here with me uh on this uh gvn review please let everyone know where they can find you what you got coming up on the horizon and all that good stuff well, we have. Uh, if you want to talk to me on Twitter about this or about anything, you can me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. And uh, we have Wrestling Geeks Alliance that comes out twice a week, sometimes once a week, but it's a four hour show, so there's lots to dig in.
into um and skates the throats and the, the horror podcast that tia and i have done recently there's lots of good things out there at geekvibesnation.com make sure you check that out and uh yeah hopefully we'll have another one of these we get we, we run into something good i have one more for you which is about the chessboard killer in russia and i think you'll really dig it well, uh, definitely message me that so I can check it out. But, well, yeah, I I, know. <laughs> I wanted to definitely be a part of the uh, last horror film podcast that you did. It's just I it was, like, I had – Joanne and I had just done a, like, Mandalorian podcast, and I had some work I needed to do. And he asked – he was like, do you want to hop on? I was like, oh, God, I, I want to, but I know i got to get work done. So, But that was a lot of fun, even though, like – I'm not the biggest horror movie fan. It still was, like, really great with you guys, Dan, AJ, Dom. It's always a lot of fun. But, um, geez, you and Dane go four hours? That's, like, that's great. Like, again, people like to complain about too long a podcast. No. What did they complain about? Yeah, they complain well, about, like, stop listening. Yeah, they complain about, like, too long a podcast. And I'm like, well, if the Twitch streamers can stream for, like, eight hours straight and they'll watch them, you can listen to my two-hour podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, you can bookmark it. If you have a Spotify, just stop it. It'll play back in the same yeah. spot. I mean, we got to go over, like, three or four two- to three-hour shows. It's, it takes a while to, no, to go not over all the like, content. <laughs> not for nothing and you have a like a lot of content. Well, not for nothing. Like Dane himself is like really entertaining. So you could listen to him a shit ton and you two have a really great dyna- uh, dynamic with each other. So I'm just saying like listen, I I love long podcasts. I put them on in the background. I do my work. Like people who complain, you can just not listen, I guess. But uh, <laughs> uh Polly, what do you have going on everything? What should a uh, people look out for you um right now i just um started a new youtube channel but it's a baby so i'm not gonna shout it out yet um and i'm not really into social media um i produce you don't want to shout out your youtube channel oh um, not right now um but um i do produce music as well so i didn't i don't think i mentioned this to anybody but to you but i had a song released in germany through a record company called Blutonium Records um, two months back. Um, so other than music and YouTube and uh, chilling with COVID, uh, nothing really. <laughs> yes, please, everyone stay home, wear your mask so that we can finally go to the movie theaters at some point because I need some uh, freaking content to talk about. But uh, Polly, Chris, thank you so much for being here with me tonight to talk about the Confession Killer on Netflix. Please make sure you check it out. Make sure you definitely check us out at geekvibesnation.com. We it has links to all of our social media. Our YouTube cha- our YouTube page is Geek Vibes Podcast. But besides that, you can go on all of the podcast networks and find us out Geek Vibes Nation. And I will talk to all of you guys later. See ya. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.